Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Nicole Staple, CEO and co-founder of bridal retailer Brideside. With weddings at a standstill, I wanted to ask Nicole about what the company's current cash flow consists of and how she's updated marketing to capture the attention of brides-to-be. That's next. Hi, Nicole. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. It's great to talk to you. You too. Where are you today? I am in Palm Desert. And for those of you who don't know where Palm Desert is, so it's just near Palm Springs in California, but I usually live in Chicago. But about six weeks ago, I escaped and actually took my car out here and uh, drove cross country. And so I've been in much warmer weather in the desert. Oh my God. Do you have family there? What's happening there? <laughs> well, I, I, yeah. So I do have family here and um, I'm actually uh, staying in the home of uh, my boyfriend and his sister's home that happened to be free. And so it's a nice little respite away from city life and yes. has allowed <laughs> me to take a lot more time for myself and in the outdoors and to cook a lot. And so it's been really nice. Amazing. Is Brightside located in Chicago? It is headquartered in Chicago. So we have locations in several big cities, but we um, our, our roots are really in the Midwest. Perfect. I'm a Midwest girl, so you are speaking my language. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, awesome. I can't wait to dig in. Um, I want to hear, first, let's talk, before we dig into, God, the effects of all that's happening now on your business, uh, tell me the business model. You are a multi-brand retailer, uh, online only. Do I got it right? Yeah, um, pretty much. So we, you know, Brideside started really to solve the problem of women who lived all over the country trying to shop and plan weddings together. And uh, back in the day, we started as just um, a bridesmaid retailer. And now fast forward several years, um, we now sell bridal gowns as well. And we did start all online really to focus on that group shopping and to deliver peace of mind and a more fun experience for um, wedding planning and shopping, but um, it we've actually uh, ex expanded to be um, real multi-channel retailer now. So over the past two years, we've launched bridal gown and bridesmaid showrooms in New York City, Boston, Charlotte, North Carolina. We've expanded our footprint in Chicago recently. So we're sort of all channel now. Amazing. Gosh, I feel like I've been a bridesmaid that I know that industry could, uh, it's been a while, could use a shakeup. So <laughs> tell me uh, what brides and uh, want from a gown and what they want from their um, bridesmaids gowns. I would think that, that you are uh, doing something better than what I've experienced. Uh, what's happening? <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, we, as you mentioned, we are multi-brand, but in the past few years, we have really doubled down on our own private label gowns as well. And um, a lot of the reason was not only um, because of the fit of traditional bridal and not necessarily feeling like garments were designed to fit a wide range of body types. And by being a digital retailer, as you know, you have a lot of data. And so we were able to recycle that feedback we were hearing from customers to design better dresses, first for bridesmaids and now for bridal gowns. But we also felt that the experience generally just left, as we mentioned, a lot to be desired. And so a lot of what we provide is a really personalized concierge approach to the industry. So 
What you may not see is that behind the online offering, we have a team of stylists who each can work with hundreds of bridal parties at once to help them define and refine their vision, provide color inspiration or a try-at-home box. And so that helps women who often don't necessarily know what garment might look good on their body type or what color they look best in, help them sort of package it all into something they feel really good about. Amazing. So uh, again, unlike the traditional experience where you go to a store, oftentimes they'll have maybe a size 10 and they'll clamp it or they'll, you know, they never have the right size, one size. So um, are brides ordering, they're ordering their size, they're getting it. Are you sending two sizes? What's that experience about? Yeah. So traditionally it's three dresses for the Bride Side Box Try-On program. And we have taken a pretty unapologetic stance actually around inclusivity, which includes a lot of different things, but sizing specifically, we carry the largest assortment of sizes out of any bridal retailer for our Try at Home program and in our stores. So what we try to do is help um, help brides or bridesmaids understand um, what they're shopping for first and foremost. Are they most focused on style and color or are they really trying to get the best fit? And if they're trying to get the best fit, then yes, we'll pick out maybe a two, four, and a six or an eight, 12, and 14 and send them three sizes to see what they like best. Got it. So with the extended size range, are you finding that the best sellers are either those that are ultra small that aren't maybe available everywhere or the, the on the larger end of the size range? We have a pretty... Or none of the above. <laughs> yeah, no, we have a pretty big um, spectrum to be honest, but our most popular sizes are in between the eight and 14 range, but we go all the way up to size 32. Oh, how great. So what are you finding of, uh, we keep talking, we talk a lot about Aunt Glossy, the millennial, I guess, <laughs> bride, and she's, <laughs> she's changing it up. She's hip. She's fresh. She's not doing the stuffy uh, traditions. What is, what are you finding uh, from her in particular that maybe 10 yeah. years ago we would never expect? I mean, women want to be one, themselves on their wedding day. They don't want some anesthetized or fantasized version of what it means to get married. And they, I think they want an experience that reflects them. The evolution of how we're really embracing um, identity and individuality is really being reflected in how people are planning their weddings. So I think breaking tradition is definitely a theme there. For example, I actually don't have the data from 10 or 20 years ago, but you would imagine that the bridesmaid experience, for example, was very matchy-matchy, and it's just not like that anymore. We have over 85% of our brides who are telling their bridesmaids, hey, choose what you want. Like, here's my vision, but just find something that you like, and that's like actually why personal styling is becoming more important. But I think the other huge change is where women are getting their inspiration, obviously, right? The bridal magazines played a probably much more prominent role in the past. And now we see a large majority of people, which we never would have expected even five years ago, choosing vendors over Instagram. And so a lot oh. of what we've tried to do on the marketing side is actually allow customers to do the full vetting process on Instagram. What do we offer? What do customers say about us? What is the personality of our brand? What do our stylists look, sound, feel like when you work with them? Um, and that all has to be communicated in like sort of a very concise way. And I think that's one of the cool challenges of being this sort of new age wedding brand. Yes. So how are uh, shoppers, brides, finding you on Instagram or finding you 
in any way. Are you, are you advertising a lot on Instagram, a lot on Google search? What's happening? Yeah. So Instagram has all been organic. We don't do a ton of advertising. We do a little bit on Instagram, but we've had a fairly sort of viral approach um, to that channel. But we certainly do spend on others. Google search is huge for us. So weddings, as you know, there's a lot of pieces that go into the planning process. So we've tried to position ourselves as a real resource for lots of different parts of planning. And a lot of that is color inspiration, for example. So when you talk about finding customers, maybe a customer that's looking for a hunter green theme, maybe typing that into search, and then we can show up there and give her a whole blog post on how to style a hunter green wedding. So that's been a big part of the marketing strategy. Very cool. Is Pinterest working as well? I would think Pinterest would be very big for you. Yeah. I mean, all of these um, visual channels are huge. We Pinterest is, a, again, a very organic channel for us. And we do post a lot of our inspiration. Um, and it, what's great about Pinterest is there's this um, sort of evergreen uh, perspective to the channel where if you post a great series of inspirational posts, they can sort of go viral and keep driving traffic over a very long period of time. Um, but we don't, we don't necessarily spend a lot of money on that channel. I would say our main channels in terms of where we spend are, um, Facebook and Google and partnerships, of course. Yeah. Yes. That makes sense. Who, what's your team? Who's your team? Do you have a lot of um, folks on the creative side? Um, again, in addition to your stylist, tell me the breakdown and how many, uh, what, how large is your staff? Yeah, sure. So we do we do have quite a large uh, marketing team. For example, um, we have social media content, um, UX, UI, um, uh, the sort of like direct response and organic search team. So yeah, that, that's definitely something we are we've invested in. And, and to be honest, during COVID, for example, we actually think marketing is more important than ever. Because even though people are having to postpone their weddings, we're really looking to the future and saying, how can we come out of this as a better brand and a better business? And that means staying top of mind to consumers, meeting them where they are right now, giving them what they need in this moment so that we can come out of this and they can start getting married again. We can, we can <laughs> be there on the other side. Well, I'm happy you brought up COVID. I wanted to start off on a bright note, but I've been beating around the bush. We got to go here. So <laughs> this all happened. Like you said, weddings were at a standstill. Is Are brides shopping? Are they still getting ready? What, what's happening? Yeah. I mean, it's been all over the place. I'm not going to lie. Our brand stands for authenticity, so I'm not going to paint an overly rosy picture for you. <laughs> And it's been a little bit like trying to mold jello because one moment you think, okay, September weddings, we're in, we're ready to go. We're, we're dressing these ladies. And then we hear, you know, last weekend that New York and New Jersey shut down all venues through the fall. And we're like, okay, it's off, but 2021. So we often sell between six and 12 months out before the wedding because people are planning obviously a long time in advance. So we're, we think wedding planning is actually a form of escape. We've actually tried to coin this wedding shopping from home, WSFH, to say like, <laughs> this is actually a fun thing you can do with your time. And so what we're doing is doing the best we can to sort of keep selling to customers through our online channels. We have virtual appointments now, an online concierge program, which is still very much alive and well. We do quite a good amount of e-commerce sales. But yeah, I mean, our, our showrooms are closed. And so for the moment, um, you know, if you're getting married this summer and fall, that that may be totally off and you may have to wait till next year. And if you want to visit a store, um, you still have to wait probably a few more weeks. 
Yes. So virtual appointments, how, uh, how was that? How pull it, pulling that together? Did it, was it a project? Yeah, it was amazing. It really was one of our most proud moments as a company. It was awesome. And we, I think our showrooms were shut down essentially as of mid-March. And we decided on a Thursday to shut down our showrooms that weekend. And by Tuesday, we had a fully launched virtual appointment platform. And we've always done online styling. That's nothing new. That's actually who we are as a brand. But what was different about this is we are actually offering the opportunity to book a virtual appointment, an actual time slot with an actual person. Um, it's not so much that you happen to interact with your stylist. It was a very intentional process. So we had to convert that entire experience digitally and yeah, I mean, we've done about a thousand virtual appointments in just, you know, a six week period. And the coolest thing, and, and this is why I think, again, like you want to make the best out of every opportunity that life throws at you, because what we found for the bridal gown was that when we launched virtual appointments in cities where we had showrooms, which we're all, we're only brick and mortar right now for bridal gowns. But when we yes. launched that virtual opportunity, we actually found brides from all over the country signing up for those virtual appointments. So we were like, oops, we forgot that this would be online now. But we saw such a surge in these virtual appointments that we now have launched Bridal Online probably six to eight months sooner. We're, we're launching it right now for the Try at Home program sooner than we would have otherwise. So, you know, I think it just presented an opportunity that we didn't know necessarily was in front of us. Yes. What are you finding in terms of conversion? Are people more more or less likely to make a purchase from a virtual appointment than maybe an in-store appointment or or maybe online? What's working? Yeah. So our in-store is a very powerful conversion channel for us. Obviously, we on our bridesmaid side, we convert about 70 plus appointments to sale. So it's great. We have an amazing in-store experience. Anytime someone works with a stylist, they tend to have a very high conversion rate. What we're seeing from virtual appointments um, I actually got some early data yesterday so that I could try to share it with you. From Bridal Try at Home, it looks like we're already converting 30 to 40% to sale from the our one test. We tested it in Chicago. So our one test okay. market looks like it's already converting well. Bridal conversion tends to be, for the gown, tends to be lower than for bridesmaids. It's just a harder purchase to make. But yeah, we're really hopeful that we can actually continue a fully baked virtual process, even when stores open again. Yes. What was it like launching bridal gowns again in the middle of all this? I hear uh, photo shoots are down. That's not happening. Was it a lot getting um, imagery from the brands? Every girl's dream to launch bridal gowns during COVID. Yeah, we so we launched it in New York in October 2019. So just we did have a little bit of a presence before this all happened. And thankfully, our current collection had already been shot and we had already designed the first collection. So um, that was baked. And one of um, so we're not doing any new photo shoots now for bridal gowns. We're waiting until we feel it's safe again. But we had done a huge editorial shoot last fall. But what's great is that we had planned to launch a collection with Michaela Erlinger, who's um, a celebrity stylist. And yes. her collection, we had already shot it. And so we can still launch it. And it's launching in June. And it's a little bit disappointing that we can't have it probably in this in stores in the same way that we had hoped she was going to do a bunch of store appearances. But, you uh, know, we're launching it on Instagram. We're making a virtual experience out of it. Our stores will be open, you know, I think pretty soon now that the world's starting to open up. And so we're still able to do it. And it's like just leverage what you have and do the best with, you know, what you have in this moment. 
Yes, that's so smart. Your stores, have they always been appointment only? Will that be kind of the approach uh, at the beginning of opening up? They actually weren't appointment only for most of our stores previously. So for many of them, you were able to walk in, which is a little bit different of a, a for a bridal boutique. But yeah. we like to say we're like the anti-bridal boutique, bridal boutique. We try to switch it up a little bit. Nice. But, but now during this sort of phase one, we are making it appointment only. We just want to try to be able to plan ahead and limit the number of foot traffic in and out of the stores. We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. Logistically, uh, shipping, all of that. I mean, you, you can't be late. I guess you can. Nobody's getting married now. But um, has it been a problem, especially with try at home? Um, a lot of obstacles there? fewer than I would have expected. We have an amazing operations team. So what we did is we sent our entire headquarters home and we made space just for our in-house operations and fulfillment team. So they were able to work with enough social distancing. And then in terms of our third-party fulfillment center, we, for the most part, shipped on time. We definitely did have some hiccups um, with some designer delays that we had to work through. And, you know, I think this is a lesson um, for us all, which is around just transparency and constant communication, whether it's with your vendors or your customers or your employees. We've always had to hold ourselves to a pretty high standard in that regard, particularly in weddings. And I think this has been another lesson in just how important that is. But for the most part, we're delivering on time. Amazing. Talk to me about your team. Um, have you had to make cuts through all of this? And how are you working with them now? Yeah. Yeah. So right when stores closed, we did make some cuts. And that was the worst day of my bride life. <laughs> yes. And it was, um, it was really, really, really tough. And after that, you know, we said, let's get back to business. And we still have a large team behind us and we still have a lot of customers to serve this. And it's our job yeah. as leaders of this company to give people something to look forward to and keep them motivated to keep going and keep building. I mean, we're still a young brand and we're, we're trying to really launch. We launched an entirely new website two weeks ago. So we had to keep going. And so we really got back to business quickly and we were able to maintain um, a lot of our core, um, core staff. And then hopefully when stores open again, you know, the idea is that we would be able to ramp up and hire a large majority of those folks back. Yes. How great. Talk marketing, marketing messaging. Have you been cheeky? Like <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> What's your messaging been? How has it transformed? Yeah, I, we, so our marketing team is truly incredible. And I think the reason is that we focus a lot on how do we use what our customers are telling us and our employee base is really represents our customer base as well. We're almost, we're about 99% women. A lot of young women work at the company. And so we, they're able to sort of feed back to us what they're thinking, what they're feeling. And we're pushing that through. So because we've cut back on a lot of our paid marketing spend, we are going full throttle on content. So we are publishing more emails than we ever have, more Instagram content than we ever have, more blog posts. Posts, and we are just going full force at the content piece. And um, and as I mentioned before, we're also thinking about collaborations as a marketing strategy. Yes. So we have a big partnership with Betches, Michaela Erlinger. We're continuing to look to partners and say, how can we all help each other out to make sure that we all stay relevant and exciting and get through this? Yes. It's interesting. I haven't heard that from 
a bridal company about, yeah, doing collaborations, constant newness and all of that. But um, is it getting competitive out there? How important is it to have something new all the time? Yeah, I mean, it's always competitive. I'm I'm really proud of the brand because I think we've really found our voice. And a lot of that has been being unapologetically transparent and authentic in who we present ourselves as. And I think the wedding industry in particular needed an update. It needed an update on the types of women that you show in marketing, um, the way you talk to women and people who identify in all different ways about falling in love and planning a wedding. We're all experiencing um, this this moment, but also be you know planning a wedding differently. And yeah. as we become a bigger brand, we think a lot about how we can open up the umbrella and open up the community to as many people as possible. And so that's something that we continue to push through. So when we when we build these partnerships, we actually prioritize that as the number one criteria. So we don't do a large quantity of partnerships. We really invest in quality. Okay, great. You mentioned the community. Uh, you've got a large Instagram following. I mean, do, do your shoppers connect amongst themselves? Are they looking to, uh, yeah, trade trade secrets, trade tips? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of Reddit and Instagram groups that talk about weddings and. We are certainly have our ear to the ground there and, and use that as a way to understand, you know, what's going on in the industry. We have a pretty tight feedback loop. So when people get, um, when our couples get married, we actually have a process whereby we collect images from that wedding and also try to get feedback on what it was like, what the vibe was like, and try to push that through. So I think in many ways, just to keep the conversation going, we've put ourselves in the center of that to try to connect back former brides with future brides. Um, we don't have our own, we've never started our own sort of center, like in Facebook group, for example, but it's something I've always wanted to do. So who knows, maybe 2020 will be the year. Yes, I vote yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You mentioned at the beginning, again, like I always think I, I, I'm not married, so I don't know what's going on. But like uh, the bridal magazines, like the not, like the online content uh, that brides for a time would kind of swarm to. Is there any sort of, any any kind of outside, are you doing everything your own? Is there some a, an outside source other than a, a social platform uh, that's working working for you to drive, again, attention? Yeah, so I think the... Um well, we love, we love Betches. Betches Brides is a big one. I, I think they just bring a sense of, um, lightheartedness to and, and realism to planning a wedding and they don't take themselves too seriously. So we really believe in that brand and that company, um, as a conduit to our, our customers. The Knot Worldwide, which is the Knot plus Wedding Wire now, they, they merged a little over a year ago. That's a massive platform now for vendors and brides. And, and that's a very, that's a great destination, both for inspiration, but also for very like tactical wedding planning. So we do a lot with them. We do emails right. to their users. And we'll do a lot of content creation together. So I think right now those are our two biggest, but there are blogs that we still partner with all the time. So a practical wedding is one that targets a real has a really like great core um, core following. And again, it's really all about blogs that talk very authentically and have yeah. like a group of women or users who just love their specific message. Yes, I have seen Instagram brides where it's like their whole wedding is pretty much sponsored and they're tagging everything. Yeah. Uh, have you 
have you worked with a, an influencer um, on their dress? And um, yes, in that capacity. Yes. And I can't think of one recently. We've worked with a few women from The Bachelor, The Bachelorette in the past. Yeah. Oh, fun. <laughs> yeah. But, um, Michaela is one that we're, you know, we're doing now and, um, she, she is engaged as well. And um, we didn't do her gown, but we've been working sort of a lot in terms of like staying in close touch about how she's planning her wedding. Um, and we have some other, other ones in the works, but I don't think I can announce them yet. So you have to stay tuned. <laughs> we will follow. Yeah. Um, so t- yes. So during this time, is there one thing that you would say has been maybe the biggest challenge, uh, whether that's being separated from your team? You just tell me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, this has certainly been a unique period of time. And I'm glad you brought up team because that's something that is really important to who we are as a company. My co-founder and I, from the beginning, have just felt have really wanted to build a workforce of um, of women and employees that are going to do really great things and are really really talented. And we and we try to nurture that as much as possible. And that's certainly harder when we're all separated. I mean, I can give you an example from my personal situation. One of the reasons I'm out here in Palm Desert is because I lost my husband to cancer nine months ago, and he passed away in my home in Chicago. And so being at home was a the the idea of working at home for months was felt un, unrealistic for me um, from a mental yes. health perspective. And so for me, I'm experiencing COVID also dealing with loss and trying to find my own way working remotely and staying motivated. And if anything, I just share that story to highlight how important it is to have perspective. And when we're communicating over Zoom or over the phone, you don't necessarily know what it's like for someone to be at home or what they're dealing with in their personal life on top of all of the fear and anxieties around what's going on with COVID. And that is a work in progress for me as a CEO, to be honest. I have done... um, had moments where I feel like I've been really connected to my team. And there are moments when I fell flat on my face in terms of sort of the overall sentiment of the team. And so for me, it's like looking ahead, what is keeping us going and and what is still exciting about moving forward every day. Yes. Gosh, I'm so sorry to hear that. And I would love to know what you're doing to kind of, um, again, you say you have good days and bad days. Is there something that you do to kind of, yeah, help you kind of keep your spirits up? Um, We're asking a lot of folks that lately, um, just, yeah, tips, whether it's working out every day, but what's yours? Yeah. For me, and I'm on the West Coast right now, and most of my team is Midwest or East Coast. So I wake up early and I start my day with a sales call every morning at 7.30. And one privilege of that has been that I have actually been pretty disciplined about ending my day earlier than I'm used to. And so around 2 or 3 p.m., I will usually take a half hour nap um, and then (laughs) and do a work. (laughs) Important. (laughs) Sleep is very important. Um, But then, you know, I've really been investing in myself and my own creative outlets. So for me, that's been writing. I've been writing a lot as a way to process my own experience and, and what we're going through. And I actually take that time every day to carve out a few hours to do that in addition to working out every day and cooking a lot. But that actually has been really a silver lining to all of this. Yes. Yes. Amazing. And I love that it's all women. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to confide with <laughs> anybody, you want your 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 girl. Right. Anyway, exactly. But I know <laughs> work is not the same. I know. Um, but yes, tell me. So I'm just like, I'm 
picking apart every part of the bridal in- industry that I am aware of, but uh, like those old school, uh, are they called markets or they're called like a trade show? Like, does that exist? Yeah. Is that even effective? Did you do those at one point? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They still are alive and well. So bridal expos, as we call them. Expos. <laughs> where, and for for your listeners who may not be familiar with a bridal expo, a bridal expo is where thousands of couples come and go booth to booth and talk to hundreds and hundreds of wedding vendors about everything from what their disco ball should look like to what their cake should taste like. <laughs> And yes, Brideside has been at the expos. So we used to do a lot of expos. So on the weekends, I'm actually like scarred from these expos. So on the weekend, me and my co-founder would pack up our trunks with dresses and mannequins and go set up literally a Brideside sign and a table and tell people about this company we wanted to build and ask them if they wanted to work with a stylist, which was me to <laughs> style their wedding. And it actually um, was, that was actually the origin of the stylist program. Because what would happen is we would get all of their email addresses and we'd send them our marketing emails and direct them to our website and no one would buy from us. And so my co-founder and I said, screw it, we're calling them. And so we started taking the list to go one by one to call every bride. And once we got her on the phone, she was all about working with us. She was like, I have a hundred questions. Let's go. And so we realized they really loved that personal um, concierge who knew, you know, they knew actually something about how to style bridesmaids. And so that actually was, um, was the very beginning of our stylist program. So I'm glad you asked that question. And then we stopped doing expos for a long time as we just moved to more digital marketing. But when we launched the gown, you know, anytime you launch a new category, you have to go back to your roots. You can't take for granted that you're just going to be able to launch something that's going to take off even with a big existing base. And so we actually, before COVID, were doing the expos again. Our, our, our bridal team was doing oh, them and they were really successful. And you said couples go like, do men weigh in? Cause I'd be like, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a pretty hilarious dynamic. Sometimes you're like, either the guy's really into it or you can tell he's just being dragged along. However, I think women, I think I hate the term bridezilla because my personal experience was that we were in a groomzilla situation. I just wanted to elope. And my husband yeah. was all about the wedding. And I, so many women feel that way, but yet we're <laughs> pegged as the people who are like the crazy planners. So you <laughs> never know. Yeah. <laughs> right on. So the future of the wedding industry, where do you think it's going? Other than for you, digital. Right. <laughs> and where else? Do you, is there going to be a mad rush for weddings? I personally think so. We are yeah. seeing actually pretty overwhelming data that suggests that women are postponing, not canceling weddings. And so there may be these like mini matrimonies that happen this year where they say, look, we're going to become husband and wife in 2020 or wife and wife or husband and husband in 2020. And that's it like non-negotiable, yeah. we're, we're doing this thing, but let's have a party next year. So we're seeing some of that. And then we're seeing people call up their vendors and reschedule the whole thing. But in terms of the future of the industry, um, you know, I think that there are two themes for us and that we think are important that we're going to continue to see. One is this all-channel experience. So you need to be able to interact with your stylist, with the product, with the brand, on your phone, on your laptop, at home, in store, very seamlessly. And we believe that our ability to sort of 
create a, a customer journey that is truly end to end and you don't really experience a difference regardless of where you're shopping is super important. So, you know, we we have a lot of technology built around that thesis and we think that's where it's going. And then the other piece is really just around inclusivity, making that umbrella bigger and that is everything from the product that you design to the price points that you offer to the way that you market the brand to everyone is welcome to a luxury and meaningful experience when it comes to marriage. And Definitely. You know, we think that's going to be really important. Definitely. So as you're meeting the bride wherever she is, and other brands are as well, um, is it important to have exclusives for that differentiator? Are exclusive, is that part of why you launched Private Label? Um, talk to me about differentiating other yeah. than <laughs> inclusive. Yeah, go ahead. I think it is important. I think exclusivity is important in this category. It With the bridesmaid category specifically, it's it's become much more ubiquitous to be able to find product online now, right? You have a lot of major retailers that have launched online channels alongside you know, thousands of brick and mortar boutiques. And we have definitely found that that's important. And the flexibility that exclusivity gives you, particularly when you're designing and manufacturing your own product around price point and images is huge for us and color card, you know, all of that matters. So yes, I do think it's important on the bridal gown, also very important. And I think brand matters more for the gown than it does for bridesmaids. For bridesmaids, it's all about finding the right styles and color that match body types and wedding vision but for the bridal gown right that's a different that's a different thing that's about it can mean something different to lots of different women it can be about the cachet can be about a a designer that you've been following since you were a little girl and you're in love with and you just want that dress by this one designer it can be around an aesthetic of a certain person that you admire so I, I do think sort of the label on that is really really um important for the gown Yes. And last question. Got to make it fun. I know like changes, changing dresses throughout the wedding or, you know, evening is a thing. Like how many, what's the most dresses, <laughs> the <laughs> most number of dresses you've sold one bride? <laughs> That's so funny. I don't, I, I think that probably three would be the most because we've sold bridal shower or some sort of engagement event, the gown, and then the after party dress. Yes. But I actually want to talk to Michaela Erlinger about this one day because I remember we had this exact conversation and I think she has four outfits for the night of the wedding alone or something. She's going to kill me if I got that wrong. She is so <laughs> fabulous. I yeah. Mean. So I know awesome. it's, it's amazing. Awesome. Well, Nicole, this was so fun. I learned so much. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Yeah. Thanks so much. That's all for this episode, which was produced by Pierre Bienname. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please head to the review section on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast to give us a rating and tell us what you think. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast.